Today we're going to talk about prayer. And uh, James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20, I want to ask you to grab your Bible and, and turn to James chapter 5. If you'd like a copy of the Scriptures, just raise your hand. We have some uh, paperback uh, Bibles. I'm glad to hand out and let you uh, follow along with us. I encourage you to. Just slip up your hand if you'd like. A, Usher, Usher's got lots of Bibles, so... Prayer has been defined simply as talking to God. Prayer is about our relationship with God. God communicates to us, and we communicate to God uh, in prayer. Our video clip demonstrated some styles of prayer. I noticed that you appreciated, uh, you thought some of those were helpful. Um, I liked what our uh, guy had to say at the end. And uh, just a way to simplify the Lord's Prayer, because I see the Lord's Prayer as an outline of how to pray. Not necessarily that we memorize it. Yes, it's good to memorize it. But to remember, uh, to focus on what the prayer itself is, is about. Um, and um, what we saw in the video clip, he was just talking to God about things that were important to God first and then things that were uh, important to him. And that's clearly the outline taught in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, It's about God's reputation. It's about um, God's will being done. It's about advancing the kingdom of God on earth. And then it's about us. God's stuff first, our stuff second. And uh, what he prayed for was what he needed daily. And... um, uh, about his own relationship with God regarding forgiveness and forgiving other people. And then um, lastly, about his own personal temptation. This fits with Eugene Peterson's words, and we have a little quote right here. Prayer is answering speech. The first word is God's word. God spoke to you first. Prayer is a response back to God. It's what you know about God, what you know about him, and what he's taught you about prayer. The first word is God's word. Prayer is human word, and it is never the initiating and shaping word simply because we are never first, never primary. That's a great thing to remember. It's about God. It's not about us. It's about God. And it's up to God's reputation to answer prayer, but he wants us to learn about prayer as he has outlined in the scriptures. And we're going to look a bit at James 5 and the subject of prayer uh, this morning. Uh, If you follow on your outlines in your program, the first thing is that prayer is an essential way of life for a Christ follower in verses 13 through 16, James chapter 5. I want to read those right now. James writes, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man and also a righteous woman is powerful and effective. So let's talk this through. Prayer is an essential way of life for a Christ follower. This is exactly what Jesus taught, and this is what James understood, and this is what James lived out, and this is what James is instructing to us. 
So verses 13 and 14, when should I pray? James begins in verse 13, I should pray when I'm facing trouble or hardship or difficulty or stress. How about that? If you're facing uh, trouble, if you're facing any kind of hardship or any kind of difficulty or stress, that's a good time to pray. Um, For some people, this is the only time they pray. They don't think about God much else other than when they're in trouble. For some people, it's almost the last thing they want to do when they get into trouble because they're trying to figure it out on their own, how they're going to solve these problems. And sometimes they just forget about God in this. For James, you pray any time that things get tough. When you can't handle it, you pray. That's exactly um, what... um, The Apostle Paul taught in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, he said, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. One of the great things about this, this is like to be a trigger. When you you hit difficulty, when you hit stress, it's a trigger. Oh, I probably should pray about this. That's what I need to do right now. And that's sort of a, a training process. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, that's one of the most unusual things about the Christian life, the potential of being able to face difficulty with the peace of God that people can't understand. Because life isn't so much about what's going on around you. It's way more about what's going on in here and how you're coping in here, whatever the circumstances are. Because circumstances aren't going to make you happy not very long. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when you're facing trouble or hardship or difficulty or stress, that might be job pressure. That might be lack of finances. That might be marital conflict. That might be boyfriend trouble. Um, Facing health issues. That might be decision making. That might be uh, struggle with parents. It might be the need for wisdom when things seem to be uh, really hard to think through. It might be wisdom in raising kids because uh, sometimes that can be difficult, right? Maybe you know if you're a parent. Um, Some people don't want to bother God with their problems. If Think about this. This is a guy thing. Sometimes people don't want to bother God because they sort of think that God would be more impressed if I do it myself. You know, I can control it. I can handle it. Not so. James says, no, we need to pray. So I should pray when, we, when I face trouble. Secondly, I should pray when things are going well. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise because singing is really just talking to God. You know, James has a lot to say about speech, doesn't he? Well, prayer is also about speech. Singing praise is about our speech as well as whether we, we gossip or encourage people um, or, or build people up. I should pray. Uh, I, should, I can sing songs. I don't sing songs very well. But if anyone is happy, let him sing songs of praise. I should acknowledge the goodness of God. This idea of being happy, it's not just a, a, a feeling. It's, it's about things are going well on the inside. I'm experiencing joy from God. And uh, James says, praise God for it. Praise God when things are going well. Um, Let me 
share something uh, I'm really happy about today. Uh, that I'm, I can praise God about today. Uh, just about 10, goes, 10 days ago, uh, I sent out a letter to uh, people in the Bridge family as well as friends of the Bridge, people outside of the Bridge family, just telling, us, telling people where we are financially. And we are stressed financially. Um, we, when we, we started the Bridge with, as a missionary endeavor, so all the funds were raised outside of the Bridge, outside of the community before we came to the community. And the goal was is to plant a church as a missionary endeavor and the bridge would slowly build its own financial resources and be able to handle all of their finances. And so I sent a letter and said, hey, we're about 27,000 down right now. And that, that only is possible is because we have an organization that helps us with that float, the, our missions organization, which is the Florist Lakes District. Now, here's what I wanted to tell you. Since in the last 10 days... Uh, we've received $7,500 from five families outside of the bridge. And what I want to do is just encourage you, here are people who are for you and for what God is doing here, and they're helping. And I just want to, I'm, I'm praising God for that. So I wanted you to, to hear that too. Hebrews thirteen fifteen, uh, the writer of Hebrews has this idea. And he says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God, a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And uh, this is like a lifestyle thing. And James says, if you're happy, give God praise. Verse 14, I should pray when I'm weary or oppressed or ill. Look at verse 14. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. The Greek word that James uses here uh, refers to is a broader term than just a physical ailment. It could be emotional. It could be uh, some kind of spiritual uh, struggle. And uh, this is a special circumstance when normal physical healing is not taking place. And the point is there is a time to call for the elders of the church to pray. There is a time to call for the elders. Elders are the leaders of the church, and we really have elders in training. Uh, we call it the bridge leadership team. And um, I think this is like normal for every church, that there would be leaders in the church who respond when they're called on to pray for sick, the sick, pray for healing. And... Um, uh, they will pray and anoint the sick person with oil in the name of the Lord. Prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's, a, a, that's a strong theme in the New Testament and the teaching of Jesus, that it be prayer according to Jesus Christ, according to truth, according with his reputation, according about what he's all about in advancing the kingdom. So if you have a prayer request to advance the kingdom, that's a really good one. Um, the elders are to pray for the sick person. Uh, and by the way, it's initiated by the sick person. The person calls and asks for prayer from the leaders of the church. This isn't every time you're sick. This is assumed that, that uh, you know, that there are, you might just, if you have a cold, your, your body just might heal. You know, that's possible. 
and you don't need to call the elders. Usually this is an issue of ongoing significant problems and there's no way to solve it. Um, the elders are to pray uh, for the sick person. It says to pray over them. That's often uh, in the New Testament what we see is uh, leaders laying hands on a person, just touching their shoulders or something. The idea of uh, care, the idea of uh, expressing um, the compassion of Christ and, and uh, authority of, of God. And uh, th- they pray for the sick person in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the first century, olive oil was used for medical purposes. Uh, like in the story of the Good Samaritan, there was uh, typically for wounds, people were uh, kind of washed with uh, olive oil, wiped off with olive oil. It was kind of a medicinal value. In the Old Testament, olive oil was used in the anointing of kings and prophets. And it, and it pictures the anointing of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit's mark on that person's life. Here, uh, the, the, the oil doesn't have a formal purpose. Um, the main point of verse 14 is prayer. Prayer is the main verb. To pray is the main verb. And anointing with oil is um, a supporting verbal participle. And... Um, let me just stop and aside. I've been involved as a pastor on many occasions as a leader practicing James chapter 5. And there's not a lot of instruction out there about how churches do this because churches do a little bit of everything. A lot of churches do nothing. And because of the Bible, I had to put this into practice. And um, so what I've done in my own practice as a pastor is when somebody with a special need, a, uh, usually it's an illness, and uh, they call and they, they, they understand James 5 and they ask. And um, so I will call our leaders together. In our former church, we, we, we sometimes went to homes to do this, and sometimes we just had them come on site, and we just set aside a special room. And uh, I taught James 5 right on the spot. And um, one of the important things, and we're going to see it in just a minute, is that sin is confessed among leaders and among the person who needs prayer. And um, out of obedience to the scriptures, we take a little bit of olive oil and just rub it on the forehead. It just says anoint with oil. But the word used here is not to pour a gallon of oil on somebody's head. It's just a small amount. And I do that in obedience to the scriptures. And um, I've seen God answer prayer on many occasions, some significant prayer. Went to a hospital room of a man who uh, had had open heart surgery, and he was about as dead as you can get and still be considered alive. And there was like no hope for this guy. And um, we prayed for him. Uh, an elder and, and myself, and and it took him several months, but he totally came out of it and re- returned to normal life. On several occasions, we've seen this happen. I remember a woman wanted to go on a mission trip, and she had some health issues, and there's no way she could go on a mission trip. And she called for the elders, and uh, we we um, we prayed for her, and we we anointed with her with oil, and she was healed, and she went on the mission trip. Um, 
Now, usually this is, a, in my experience, it's been a slow process. It's, I've, I've never been involved in an instantaneous healing. God can do that. I've never been involved in it myself. Um, so I should pray when I'm weary or oppressed or ill. Um, does God always heal? Does God always heal in answer to prayers? Um, God always answers, but he doesn't always heal. A great passage is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. The apostle Paul had a physical ailment. And he prayed and he asked three times for God to remove it. And God said no. Now, Paul had the gift of healing, and yet God wouldn't take away his physical issue. It was okay with Paul because Paul understood that God's grace was sufficient um, with him. God's grace was sufficient for Paul, and that through um, Paul's weakness, God's power was perfected uh, through weakness. By the way, The book of James isn't about making your life easy. The book of James is a lot about um, working through trial and growing through trial and maturing through trial. Sometimes health issues are trials that we grow in. Also, James teaches to pray, uh, the Bible teaches that we should pray in all circumstances. And our passage is 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. And Paul writes, be, be joyful always, pray continually. So when should you pray? Well, you can pray anytime. It's also good to pray all the time. And uh, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's God's will for you? To pray. That's normal. That's what God's will is for you. Um, the Apostle Paul writes in Colossians chapter four, uh, four verses two through four. Devote yourselves to pray, to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. So one of the things that Paul instructs here for the church, teaches for the church is, uh, you and we should pray for uh, the gospel and, and for clear, clarity in people presenting the gospel. Paul asked for prayer as he presented the gospel. And who could do it better than Paul? And yet, Paul said, I want you to pray for that. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Uh, one of the things, can you be a fully devoted follower of Christ if you're not devoted to prayer? Devote yourselves to prayer, the, uh, the apostle Paul teaches. And here's a good takeaway here. Being watchful and thankful. Prayer helps us align our hearts with with God, and prayer puts us in tune with God. Um, And one of the things, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Watching for God to answer. It'd be interesting to know how many times we've prayed and asked God for something, and he's answered, and we didn't get it. We prayed, we kind of went on, And he answered, and we didn't notice. We got the answer. We missed it. We weren't in tune. We weren't looking. 
We didn't know. It happens. Be watchful and thankful. Uh, when does God answer prayer? Verses 15 and 16. And the prayer offered in faith will make a sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. God answers prayer, prayers of faith. Verse 15. God answers prayers of faith. Verse 15 is about the prayer of the elders for the sick, but it applies to prayer uh, for everybody in every situation. Must be offered in faith, believing that God can heal, believing that God answers prayer, believing that God cares about this situation. Um, It says that the Lord will raise them up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. There's a an assumption here that there's been a confession of sin. If this person has sinned, they will be forgiven. There's an assumption that there's been confession. And we're going to see that in verse 16 in just a minute. Secondly here, when does God answer prayer? God answers prayer when our sins are confessed. God answers prayer when our sins are confessed. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. It's a very important concept in prayer sin is a barrier it's like god closes off to us uh we want something from god but we're not honest with god we don't we don't admit uh our own sin we don't keep short accounts with god and sometimes christians just don't get this they think they can sort of live how they want to and then they want something from god god doesn't listen um that's why 1 John 1, 9 is so important. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. Um, when we confess our sins, we get a fresh start. And that's what we do before we pray. Make sure everything's okay with, between God and me. And um, I can be a clean vessel for God to answer prayer. Thirdly, God answers prayer. When we treat our spouses with honor. What do you think about that? God answers prayer when we treat our spouses with honor. First Peter 3, verse 7. This is directly to husbands. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as a weaker partner and heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Here's the point, guys. Sometimes the way you treat your wife hinders your prayers. If you are insensitive to your wife, God will be insensitive to you. What do you think of that? I think the reverse is true, too, about the way the wife treats her husband. But men have such thick skulls, they don't get it sometimes. And so Peter just, he just says it here. If you don't respect your wife, if you don't treat her gently and sensitively because she, God made her different, um, She's much more of an emotional creature. Kind of, that's kind of often the way God brings couples together. Not in every way. Not in every case. And um, the way you treat your spouse can hinder your prayers. Verse uh, 16, number 4. God answers prayer when our relationships are in order. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. This is important in your marriage. You want God to answer your prayer? How is your relationship in your marriage? Are you, do you apologize to your mate? 
Confess your sins to each other. This is for the church. Confess your sins to each other. When you, when you offend someone, admit it. Tell them you're sorry. Ask for forgiveness. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. This is good body life. This is good health. It's good physical health, good emotional health, and good spiritual health. Being honest with our failures and asking uh, each other uh, to pray for each other, holding no grudges. Um, one of the things about the, the F- James 5 passage about healing and confessing sins, sometimes sickness can be due to sin. Certainly not always, maybe not very often, I don't know. Sometimes it can be due to sin. And uh, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight is very clear about that. Uh, well, let me, it's verse 30, but I'm going to, verse 28 says, a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. And, and that's the practice of the church. And we're going to share communion this morning. And the Bible says that before we take communion, our hearts need to be right with God, that our sin needs to be confessed. We need to be honest with God. It's very important. We come with the right attitude, okay? Verse 30, 1 Corinthians 11. That's why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Why? Because they didn't examine themselves, because they came with a poor attitude, because it was a time to stop and reflect and to think about Jesus Christ and to think about the forgiveness of sins and to think about his death on the cross, and their head was in another place. And the point is... God can discipline his church and sometimes uses physical illness. And in this case, even death. Weak, sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. That's physical death for a believer. God did that in the first century. There's no reason to think that he couldn't do that anytime he wants. Sometimes sickness can be caused from uh, failure to confess sin. God can do that to discipline his children. And just being honest with God and confessing sin is a good way to get healed. Number five, God answers prayer when we live a righteous life closely connected with Jesus. God answers prayer when we live a righteous life closely connected uh, with Jesus. James uh, 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. That's a pretty exciting verse. The prayer of a righteous man or a righteous woman is powerful and effective. If you want God to answer your prayers, walk with Christ day by day and watch him answer. We're not talking about rocket science. We're just talking about getting up every day and trying to walk with Christ. You're not perfect. If you fall down, you confess your sin and you get back up and you keep walking with Christ. Uh, In John 15, verse 5, Jesus instructed these words. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, don't expect God to answer prayer. Be closely connected with Jesus Christ. Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, staying closely connected with Jesus, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. You want God to answer your prayers? Walk closely with Jesus. Sadly, there's so many times I've seen people 
sort of wait until they get into a crisis, until their whole world is falling apart, and then they ask God for help. The amazing thing is, I find that God often helps them. And they get so excited about it for a short period of time, and then they just kind of slip back to where they were, and they kind of drop out spiritually. They kind of stop praying, stop reading their Bibles, maybe stop going to church, and then they get in another crisis. And they do it all over again. It's just a whole lot easier to walk with Jesus day by day and cope with life as it comes. Okay, secondly, prayer from ordinary people can make an extraordinary difference. I'm running a little bit behind. I'm going to really plow through this. Prayer from ordinary people can make an extraordinary difference. Quickly, my oldest daughter is named Tina. And when she was four years old, she started praying for her daddy, who wasn't a believer, who was an atheist. She had kind of a trick way of praying for me. I didn't really like people to pray publicly or pray out loud or pray in my house. But because she was a little girl, I let her pray at the table, dinner table. And she would thank God for everything on her plate and everything in the room and everything in her toy box. And then when she'd get to the very end of her prayer, she would say, and I pray that Daddy become a Christian. Amen. <laughs> and um, guess what happened? When she was six years old, I placed my faith in Jesus, and she was in the room. And um, her prayers got answered, and guess what? She knows a lot about faith, and she believes God answers prayer. And we, we sort of, she sort of walked through the, um, went through the 40-year desert period with us, and she kind of helped us grow up as parents. But her faith is pretty strong because of how God has answered prayer in her life. And think about um, sort of the impact in the kingdom about her answered prayer as far as um, the opportunities God has given our family to advance the kingdom of God through these many years. Um, Prayer from an ordinary person can make an extraordinary difference. Verse 17, Elijah was an ordinary person like us. James says, Elijah was a man just like us. Elijah was an Old Testament uh, prophet. The great thing is about reading the Bible, and especially the Old Testament, is you read about these characters who are heroes of the faith. And they've done some great things for God. But as you get to know their biography and you read their story, these people made some stupid mistakes. And yet, um, they're honored in Scripture because they did uh, trust God and allow God to work through them. If you read 1 Kings 17 and 18, um, great story about Elijah. He, one of the most powerful stories in the Old Testament is in... Um, 1 Kings 18, the, the power encounter that Elijah had with the prophets of Baal, 850 prophets altogether. Uh, 1 Kings 9 through 3, 3 and 4. First, this was what happens afterward. This is funny to me. Elijah was afraid. He was afraid of Jezebel because Jezebel sell, said, I got you, Elijah. I got your number. You're not going to live past the next day. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life when he came to Beersheba in Judah. He left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. 
He just gave up. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. So, you know, Elijah was a great man, but he got exhausted and he got discouraged and he became afraid. And he's just like us. He's just like us, an ordinary person. Um, also in verse 17, Elijah prayed for drought and God answered. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Verse 18, Elijah prayed for rain and God answered. And he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. Jumping to number three on your outline. This is where we're going to close out the book of James. Remember to help each other follow Christ. This is a conclusion. Final words, remember to help each other follow Christ. First of all, help each other follow Christ out of love. This comes from Jesus, John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus said, I give you a new command and here's the deal. Love one another. That's what Jesus commanded. Next, help each other when one wonders from the truth. Verses 19 and 20. This is to the church. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, one of your friends who's a follower of Christ drifts away, starts to drink too much, starts to sleep around, gets caught in pornography, when one of your brothers or sisters starts to drift, do something. That's what James instructs us. If one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his will will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. You know, in our society... Our society is primarily about tolerance. That's the most important value that, uh, in the society we live in. And our society just says, let people alone. If they make those choices and they want to do those things, let them do it. Don't judge them. James says, if you love them, if you care about them, do something. Don't let them slide off the path like that. In Galatians chapter 6, 1, the apostle Paul instructs these words, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin. You who are spiritual, meaning if you're walking with Jesus, should restore him gently. This is not about judging or shaming or pointing your finger at anybody, acting as if you're better. If you care, do something. If somebody's caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. And I, I think I've explained this before, but this is the, the imagery of a broken bone. You know, in a broken bone, if you set a broken bone, it could be painful. And the idea is to restore the broken bone gently, carefully, loving. That's how you restore somebody. Watch yourself or you also may be tempted. And Jesus gave us these instructions, Matthew 18. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. Our culture says, be tolerant. Don't do anything. What we do if somebody sins against us, we usually tell somebody else that somebody's offended us. We talk about it. We gossip. We share it as a prayer request. But our first instruction is to go to the person that offended us and speak to them directly. That's how you live by faith, by the way, is do what God says. It doesn't have to make sense to your world. It makes sense to what God says, and that's living by faith. So 
For James, remember to help each other follow Christ. So prayer is an essential uh, for a Christ follower. Prayer from ordinary people can make an extraordinary difference. And lastly, remember to help each other follow Christ.